0: Welcome to the Creating Sales Stars podcast. Each week, our host Pete Evans will be joined by some of the big and upcoming names within the sales industry. This is brought to you by Sales Star UK. So be a sales star? Listen up, y'all.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of the Creating Sales Stars podcast. Um, This week, I'm delighted to uh, welcome two, uh, not one, but two guests from over the pond in in the US. So uh, I'm joined by uh, Frank Niekamp, who is a a fellow sales star partner and sales specialist uh, from Ohio. So uh, I was going to say good afternoon to you, Frank, but it's still good morning in the US. So uh, good morning to you, Frank.
2: Good morning, Pete. Thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah, we're more uh, looking forward to speaking to you. and uh, our special guest um, Ed Porter, who uh, Frank has invited onto this uh, this week's podcast. Um, so uh, welcome to the podcast, Ed. And I'm going to shortly just give a um, a brief bio bio about your background for the benefit of our listeners. So um, Eds began his professional management career in 2001. And has since led teams from five to over a thousand people with responsibilities for sales, customer experience, revenue operations, and marketing uh, functions. Ed has worked for service, software, and distribution companies, uh, learning the foundations of delivering powerful customer experience whilst driving value and effectiveness in the sales and development uh, channels. Uh, Ed has been a keynote speaker and guest speaker focused on several key sales strategies and customer management programs. Um, <clears throat> comes with a, an excellent pedigree, recognized as the three-time top 25 most influential sales leader, Executive of the Year, Innovator of the Year, excellence in education, and one of the top 100 sales coaches to watch. So, uh, Ed, you come with a, an excellent pedigree. Really looking forward to uh, this uh, chat on our podcast uh, today. So welcome to the Creating Sales Stars podcast, Ed.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Frank, for the invite, and excited to, to dive into a few things. So, thank you for yeah. having me, and, and yes, good morning uh, f- yeah. from from our perspective.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I'm going to start off. Listen, there's a lot of, um, there's certainly a lot of challenges out there in the world for organizations. You know, there's a a lot of talk globally about as you know the economy is entering into uh, into recession, uh, and you know, you're clearly a very experienced, you know. Sales and leadership professional um, what, what what do you see as some of the, the challenges facing organizations as they they wanting to continue to grow sales in the current economy
0: yeah i think the I think it's always been but it's certainly accented now by the pandemic and, and different options to work but i I think re- tra- recruiting and training and ultimately employee retention are going to be the most unfortunately detrimental to sales teams when you think about ramp up time and quota attainment it's it's a pretty long time to get fully ramped to quota and when you start having turnover that in that organization that is largely responsible for for generating new revenue it becomes detrimental to the organization's success so i feel like there's a lagging a bit of how to properly recruit the right people, and then develop the playbook, the processes to onboard, the processes to effectively converse with your customer. How to take you know take them through your process, but basically align to their buying process. So I, I see that that shift happening, and uh, turnover has certainly plagued a lot of organizations, not just at the at the sales rep level, but also at the sales leader level two. And when leaders turn, uh, that's, again, just even worse for the organization. I, th- I saw a stat maybe two weeks ago that said now the average tenure for a VP of sales is down to 17 months. And that's that's pretty alarming when you're looking at a year and a half, um, uh, your head of sales is turning. So um, I, I think that's a big one that is getting a little bit undermined right now and not enough focus on how to really develop the training tools to onboard, but then past onboarding is how do you really coach to a great sales process and how do you make sure that everyone is is on the right page and aligned to that great process so that they can see success right after onboarding
1: yeah i mean you've, you've raised some great points all, all, already and uh i've got a i've got another question i i'm sure i'm going to invite frank to comment or ask you a question as well you're going to feel like this is a an interview for a job at some stage yet with the two <laughs> hiring questions um but I, i'm sure so you you've mentioned something you know which is a, a a real challenge in the uk you talked about you know hiring and, and i think we've been in a marketplace where it's certainly been a um, a candidate driven marketplace, um, you know, and we've heard, you know, where salaries are sort of going through the roof for, for even average salespeople, and I think now, you know, entering into a recession where companies are going to be laying people off, and so it's probably going to be more of an employer driven marketplace in terms of um, in terms of in terms of recruitment. But you know, we we know from the work that we do with our clients that hiring greater salespeople continues to be a, a, a continual challenge because there are so many average salespeople. Is that is that something you would agree with as an opinion or an insight? Um,
0: yeah, I mean the you know when I, I kind of look at this from I'm gonna kinda of go a, a different lens and, and then I'll I'll bring it back. Sure. Um, but when I'm gonna go very high level of if you think about the recruitment process it's somewhat of a spray and pray approach. And unless you have a very uh, intricate network that you're able to tap for resources, which I think is becoming the the new norm in many cases. But if you think about it, it's posting a job on a job board and you get some applicants and then you're evaluating those applicants and it's, it's very much kind of a spray and pray. So the, the hard part about that is you got to have a really good locked in loaded process to evaluate candidates and some some companies do it really well and some companies don't do it so well so that's kind of the, the starting point of un- understanding sales talent and i've heard a lot of people say i want to hire a players and w- while that may be a, a a dream do you have an organization that can cultivate a talent or that can manage a talent that a talent wants to be in so, I think this is from a from a high level of who is coming into the organization, what capabilities they have, and is that really a fit with that that current company? and it, it's often like many other realms, sports, music, is you can have a great player that just doesn't fit on the team <clears throat> for all sorts of different reasons. So, I think it's really starting at the at the highest levels to try and figure out who you're bringing on, and then do you have that tool set to be able to bring on that particular employee to be a fit in your organization? Now it's taking it to the next level of, the next milestone we have to get to is this training and onboarding, and how do we do it? How do we do it effectively? And ultimately, how do we do it to the employee's preferences? How do they want to learn? How can we show success to them? And how do you continue feeding success to that person through now training is done, but through coaching, uh, ongoing coaching and making ultimately that employee successful. So I, I, a lot of this has to, has to do with matching, um, matching the right person with the company. And then the other part is the responsibility is solely on the company to deliver that tool set to that employee.
1: Some some great um, comments there, and I can ask you loads of other questions, but Frank, I'm sure you've got some insight to, uh, and a question for Ed on this, on this topic. I know it's something that's dear to your heart as well.
2: Oh, it's uh, got my ears burning. It's really dropping some bombs here in terms of being able to attract top talent to an organisation. And, um, you know, Ed, you're talking a little bit about creating a culture where A players can be properly managed uh, the type of culture that eight players want to be a part of. Uh, if you were to give just a couple of nuggets of wisdom to our listeners here today, what have you seen or observed that really stood out to you in terms of being able to make that dream of uh, attracting and developing uh, top talent in an organization really come to life? What are some of the things you firsthand observed that says, yes, if people can do that, then they can really fulfill that vision of, building a high-performance sales team.
0: Yeah, I think it has to do with a little bit of disassociating from a pipe dream. So one is level-setting expectations to say, you may want an A player, but you really got to look in the mirror to say, do you have an organization that an A player can thrive in? And you got to look at things like, do you have onboarding locked and loaded? Do you have a defined process? Do you have a very clear. This is what you're going to go through. This is how you're going to interact with our team. This is where I want you to be 30 days after day one of hire, 90 days after day one, six months. It's got to be pretty laid out to say, this is what you're going to get when you come on. And then the other part to that is being able to be flexible during that process. So people are going to learn at different speeds. Some are going to learn faster, some are going to need to take a little bit more time. So being able to adapt to the individual and then ultimately giving them the, the tools that they need to to then become successful. So it's it's looking at that, now you got to start looking at the sales process too. I'm I Frank and I have talked for years about the sales process and how many people go at it and just kind of wing it. So when you have a sales process, like step one is having something. Step two is then making it better. So as long as there's something that you can give to a, a, an incumbent in a, as in a sales position to say, here's how we open a conversation. Here's how we ask questions to understand what discovery means. Here's how we move that process into either demo, presentation, proposal, configuration, whatever your your stages are, but then having a clear definition of when do you go into a stage and what expectations do you have in order to get out of that stage and move to the next so that this person can come in and truly see everything that they have, what they can control, and how to continue to to fuel that sales process. Sales, we live and die in pipeline. If A players don't have an opportunity to get a good pipeline, they've got nothing to close. So how do you get an A player to just, you know, grind and grind and grind? And ultimately, if you don't have product market fit or if you're trying to test a new product in a new market or new region, these A players are going to struggle because they can't do it alone. They need the support of the company to help. And ultimately, they need to see the fruits of their labor. They need to see the successes. They need to be given the tools. They need to be able to have their wings spread a little bit. So this is the hard part with cultivating a or um, bringing in a talent is a lot of companies don't have this or it's not fully baked. So I think the level set expectations is can you create an environment where you can bring in a B player or a C player and cultivate them into an A player? I I believe that instilling a world-class coaching culture comes down to bringing in people that have the the characteristics, that have the capabilities and the competencies, but maybe don't have past successes or haven't maybe done the position before. If you've got a great leader on the team and you've got a team that's built that can help and everybody's helping coach and develop. I believe you can create A players as opposed to just saying, I need to hire A players. Now, I don't think that's always the case either. So I believe in diverse teams, and I believe diversity means a lot of different things, not just in perspective and age, race, gender, but also in experience. And I think it's important to have people that have some experience, (laughs) a lot of experience, no experience. Those diverse teams create a great learning pool and depending on where you're at with the team and the dynamic, hiring that person can, you know, check a box to say, hey, this is somebody who is, who's got some experience, so I'm going to partner them with somebody who has more experience to create a better a better culture. So I think it's less about hiring the A player um, and maybe even looking at what is what are we looking for in an A player? Is it an A player, somebody who just possesses? capabilities and competencies and if that's the case experience is secondary then then fine then we'll we'll coach to that and we'll train you and and deliver that so that's where i think the level set expectation of who do you want out of the gate and then i believe a players are cultivated not always hired so i think having that coaching process of how do we coach an employee how do we coach an employee to a playbook that playbook having the sales process in place those are great elements to start building a, a successful coaching culture
1: some great some great points you've raised there so i, I want to really um come back to the 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 challenge of coaching and, and you talked about you know organizations have got to have this this coaching culture they've got to be able to onboard a players properly and you know as we know and you mentioned sport as well ed and, and I'm a passionate um of sports sports science you know what what happens to great great sports teams and we know that great sports teams get 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 coached and you you'll be aware obviously from uh, knowing Frank that we're both partners of objective management group and you know, one of the mm-hmm. <clears throat> one of the things that OMG in their research over the last 30 or so years has revealed is that most organizations the sales managers and sales leaders are not coaching their sales people consistently and then even if coaching is taking place, the research shows that it's highly, highly ineffective. So, so w- w- why do you think organizations globally are still, you know, effectively paying lip service to the need to coach their salespeople?
0: Um, I, I don't know the majority. I'm going to kind of see what, yeah. I, what I've seen anyway. I think there's two common areas. One, it's very, very hard. So a lot of it is unpredictable. So when you start asking questions like, how do you coach? Um, well, I don't know. I'm going to review some metrics and maybe have a conversation and look at pipeline. And and then I'm going to start to tell somebody, hey, we need to focus on growing your pipeline. And, you know, it's it becomes a very uh, peel the onion back, you know, several times before you get to the answer. And it's hard to have a conversation. You really have to become a counselor and you have to say, you know, let's talk about your pipeline. What what do you got? So how do you feel with the pipeline? Oh, it could be better. Okay. What are some things you've done to get it better? What are some things that have worked? What are some things that haven't? So you have to be this counselor to get the employee to kind of recognize it. So in order to have an effective dialogue like that, it's, it's really not easy to do. So coaching is very intangible and that, and it's hard. So I think that's one reason is it's, it's very hard. The second, kind of in, in line with that, is the amount of time it takes. You know, on one end, it's very easy to just give somebody the answer. It's very difficult to get them to answer the question themselves. But that's how people learn. And that's the hard part of coaching is you're trying to get people to learn themselves and not just go to you for the answer. So it's very time consuming to do it right. And those are the two things that I think where the surface starts getting scratched of you have to dedicate time to building, you know, even the training side of it. People need to be trained how to coach. So how are you training them? And is it are you going to find outside help from from certified trainers that can help or to certified coaches that can help people be be coaches? Um, what kind of development are you bringing into your employees, or are you doing it yourselves? So, <clears throat> those are the, kind of the first two. It, it's just it's very hard and it's very time consuming. And in that, and in a lot of cases like that, when everybody's busy, whether it's productive work or unproductive work, everyone's busy. It's tough to focus and dedicate and prioritize time to really get into this mindset of how do we really coach through counseling and make that sticky to the employee so that we're actually producing better results. So th- those are two that I see a lot is complex, just the time, how hard it is and how and, and how long it takes.
1: Okay, uh, Frank, I know you're very passionate about coaching as a tool to, you know, help organizations achieve sales excellence. So I'm sure you've got a question for Ed around this, this topic as well.
2: Yeah, you know, I think Ed's really hit on some pretty um, key points that coaching is not easy and telling is not selling as we like to say at sales star and it's not coaching either telling somebody what to do and helping them learn on their own Ed, what are some of the methodologies for coaching that you've seen develop within sales managers or sales leaders anything specific on that point that you've observed firsthand that could really help anyone that's listening to this podcast today come away with a nugget of, of gold that they could uh, immediately apply?
0: Yeah, the, I think the one thing I, one thing that I, I would stress on coaching is I, I believe it's much harder to coach if you don't have a, a tool or technology that records the calls that you can review. Again, uh, Pete, I'll go back to, to sports analogies. is Athletes get better by reviewing game film. And they're looking at how they perform at certain instances, how they react to certain audibles, what they're doing, and they're watching game film. And, you know, game film and sales is either, you know, an in-person, if you're, if you're face-to-face or you're in the field selling face-to-face, that's a little bit harder to record that transaction. But nowadays, everything's virtual Conversations happen over the phone. Presentations happen over Zoom or Teams. So having an ability to record those and review is extremely beneficial. Like I don't know how you could really effectively coach without having something like that. So that's kind of step one is have, have those review uh, recorded. And then the review sessions are just gold mines. And you can do review sessions <clears throat> in many different ways. Peer reviews, sounds uncomfortable, but peer reviews are great. I've done that at two previous companies. I've seen other companies cite it as great where the manager's not even in the room. It's just people that come together and they'll bring a call or two and they review each other. Um, that's a great avenue to just help. When the manager is there with, in a one-on-one setting, it's, again, very much like review the call. Hey, Frank, what would you think of that call? what were some of the things that you think you did well in that call? What were some of the things that you think you could improve upon? Let's go back here. Let's talk about this, this section of the call. Let's dissect this a little bit. What, what was the the one thing the customer said that maybe you missed or didn't hear? So again, we're asking the right questions through being a counselor to get them to see it, to hear it, and then to understand what they need to do differently. That's very much at at a basic step of, do some call reviews. And A, it's do the call review. And B, it's how do you do the call review? And it's not the, the manager going in and say, you know, Frank, you really screwed up this introduction. This was this is just way off the, the script. Um, you didn't close for next steps. You, like we can go into this all of these things you didn't do, <clears throat> but that doesn't help. It's got you gotta look at what are the things that were done well, how do you look at positive reinforcement, and then how do you get the employee to understand, hey, what would you do differently? what would be what wasn't as good and if you could get them to recognize it pick one that's the action item after the section after the session to say here's the one thing i want you to work on and make sure that's consistent in the next call so next week when we meet for a review bring a couple calls where you've done that successfully now you're shifting the whole conversation from here's the things you did poorly go fix it to Here's, here's an opportunity you've identified, here's something we've mutually agreed you're gonna work on, and now next week, bring some of those calls where you've done it. And that's a great framework of a very basic coaching session to start the habit. And now the habit loop starts forming. Every week, every employee gets coached the same way from these recorded sessions. And now you're in this you're in this positive reinforcement mode and you're looking at progress every week on something tangible because everyone has a next step. And the next step is bring a couple calls where you've taken this one thing and you've improved it. So that's just a couple things that I think are imperative in in coaching is you need the game film. You need to be able to review the conversations and then you need the employee to really guide that conversation along and ask the questions that allows them to identify their opportunities.
2: Yeah, That's awesome,
0: some, some really great
1: insights there. Ed. And you you also mentioned about the importance of having a um, a say a sales process, you know, which salespeople follow consistently. And I know Frank knows my opinion, my own personal opinion on this is that you know, sales process provides a framework for success, um, but often what you know. I've heard over the years in terms of what I do is you know you'll get successful salespeople who say oh I don't need a process because I have a magic source or I've got a winning a winning personality. Why do you think it's important that even A players should follow a sales process?
0: Yeah, I I think there's um, inevitably if they are an A player they do have a process. That I haven't met any call it a professional athlete a top salesperson. Consistent Consistency is the biggest thing. In order to be a top performing anything, it's got to be consistent and sustainable. I've never seen anybody that's performing like that that doesn't have a process. Now, their process may be different than <clears throat> the team's process or the company's process. So, you know, I'll, I'll certainly uh, agree that, that those things happen. But I would bet that every top performer has a process. And, and I would say that that even transfers into a system so now the, now the deciding factor is, how, how why does a process uh, instill sustainability or consistency? And it's because you're doing the same motions. You're either really aggressive on qualification, and you don't want to put anything in your pipeline that doesn't have a semblance of a chance to close. Some people call that cherry, cherry picking. Other people will... We'll call that effective qualifying. And I think you there's two sides to that coin, but you know, you're either very aggressive there or or you're very persistent about moving somebody in and out, where you're very clear on, hey, if this is a no, tell me it's a no and let's move on. Because those people have that genuine process to say, I don't want to waste my time, I don't want to spin my wheels. So I I I think that's where the the consistency comes from is if you start having roller coaster performance where you're you're meeting goal one month and below goal the next month and the next two months are at goal and then you're below like if it's really inconsistent more often than not it's it's a process issue um, co- sure there could be market conditions there can be seasonality there there's a lot of those things that can exist but more often than not it's because you're, you're looking at time being uh, to, of your advantage or simply luck, um, and that's, that's usually the downside. So I look at that to say performance should equal consistency, and that, that can only be instilled through a process. And, and that now it's trying to get people to either follow your process or if you're building the landing gear while the plane's in the air, then take, take some of the feedback from that. <clears throat> top performer and incorporate that into the process. So I don't know if that really answered the question per se, but um, I, I don't, I don't believe you see a lot of top a players that are out there winging it. They may say they are, but they're, they're, they're following their own process and their own process has been developed over time and through many companies probably, but they've got a process that may just not be, it may just not be the same as what the company has.
1: Ed, you referred a lot to um, <coughs> to sports, and you you, you talked about a plays, and you talk you talked about uh, onboarding, and you you also talked about you know getting getting people to listen to their own calls, so they're asking questions and they're coming to one to ones or coaching sessions so they can unpack their own their own meetings or their own their own call recordings. You know what one thing that <coughs> that I've noticed that salespeople are almost loathe. Are, are are practicing and doing role plays um yeah you know if you if you're in a sports team you have to practice the the plays the moves so that you know on game day you know you're ready to go into action you know i'm a big uh, as I'm a big rugby fan and i i, and I follow my, my local team i i speak to the, the coaches and they talk about the importance of practicing moves so that brings discipline it brings rigor what what what, what why do you think salespeople don't want to practice with their peers?
0: Yeah, th- that's actually good, a good topic. I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure. I know the answer to that. I, but I'm, I'm with you there. Is there's a lot of people that are resistant. Um, maybe it's the way. <clears throat> excuse me. Maybe it's the way it's structured, and maybe some people feel like it's a gotcha moment where you're trying to you're trying to say, aha, that's where you messed up. (laughs) So maybe it's this whole anxiety pressure of, I just feel like you're trying to point a finger at me instead of trying to help me get better. So maybe it's the coaching process. Maybe it's how the role play is set up. Maybe it's how it's conducted. Or maybe it's the lack of preparation. Um, One of the things that I, I don't like about role plays that I don't incorporate into it is, I don't want, whoever's role playing the buyer, you got to you gotta disconnect from the company or the product because don't answer the way you think you want to take that person, the sales rep on that journey, because the buyer doesn't know what we know about our business, about our company, about our product, about our differences. So don't like overestimate that. And sometimes that's hard to role play as the buyer, when you have a lot of this knowledge and insight of how you're responding. So you know, that takes a little bit of like preparation of, you know, here's a buyer profile that you're going to come from. Here's some of the things. And, and the other part to that is if the sales rep in the role play is really asking the right questions, if you're selling to procurement teams and like, I don't know anything about being in procurement other than I know that I'm evaluating vendors. I know that I'm evaluating pricing and terms and inventory and, You know, but I don't, if I'm a good sales rep, I should be asking a lot of the questions about, you know, tell me how your procurement process has improved over the past year. Well, if I'm the buyer role-playing, I don't know how to answer that question because I I don't really know enough about that persona to answer it. So like some of those just have to be planned for and um, make sure that they're smooth in the role-play. But I think that becomes maybe an option is just to, to, prepare for the role play better, make sure that there's a buyer and seller and that preparation's there. Maybe the coach or the, depending if it's a team environment where everybody's watching and listening, just kind of set the stage to say, here's what we're looking for. Here's what we're trying to evaluate. You know, we're not looking at the whole conversation and we, we're not going to nitpick the whole conversation. I'm looking for one area and this is the area I want to help condition you in the role-playing process and let's focus on this so maybe those are some areas where if you prepare a little bit better you, you avoid the whole nitpicking thing and just know that this isn't going to be a gotcha call this is going to be a let's prepare for the for battle and let's perform a simulation so i don't know that's that's a that's my only thought but that's uh, a good topic of why they're they're resistant
2: yeah
1: I, I mean it's interesting you talk about you know role playing simulation and one thing that we've done with some of our clients is actually have uh, um, actually cl- proper client simulations of the discovery meeting followed by the presentation and doing a whole day you know on site with clients and, and we, the, the clients we've done that with actually said we want to really road test how much of our sales people how much the learning that you're imparting to our sales teams, how much they're actually applying it. And uh, so they use the whole client simulation exercise to, to really put a mm-hmm. benchmark of what, how people were looking at. And then that, that then throws up other opportunities for learning for the development. Cause I, I don't believe there's anything such, such as the perfect salesperson. I think every day is a, a learning day. Uh, and I know Frank said this expression, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So I, I think, you know, with ourselves internally where when we give each other feedback about something that's not gone so well. I think it's how you receive that feedback as well, Ed. You know, and then
0: how you take yeah. that
1: learning and apply it into, you know, <clears throat> a client situation as well.
0: Yeah, that's a good call out, um, Frank. I like the the feedback is the breakfast of champions. And, and I think feedback is another subjective point of, how do you deliver it because it all it is all based on the how if you come in with the finger pointing then feedback is useless and if you present it in a constructive way then then it can be well received so um, i think that's that's good and, and Pete the example you gave about you know some of the the client experiences makes sense too so yeah that's good stuff
1: yeah so um... Ed, I always ask this question um, <clears throat> towards the end. Obviously, you know, we've got people who are sales leaders, sales managers and sales people listening into the, um, the, the, the podcast. And the information you've shared is, is absolutely fantastic. But what's the you know, if you were talking to a new sales VP or a new sales manager, what's the one nugget of advice that you'd share with them to, you know, help them get started quickly and successfully into their, their new role?
0: Yeah, the 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 one that I would kind of dive into is I would look at um, I, I've I've kind of heard people call it a management operating system, and I would I would say let's look at this from a how are you managing your team, and let's look at the meetings that you have set up. How many do you have that are team? What are the agendas? How many are one on ones, and what are the agendas? And let's get at least a structure in place that create every avenue you need to make sure you address the top things. One is team engagement. So we need to make sure we're meeting as a team regularly. The second is pipeline discussions. And sometimes you can have that in front of a group. Sometimes it's better individual. And third is one-on-one coaching sessions and get into the habit of making them regular some may be more regular than the others depending on where an employee is in the scale and what's needed but those three things really need to happen and it it really is about kind of this meeting cadence so i I like deploying a very basic management operating system to say how am i meeting with my team what am i covering what's the agenda and understanding the time commitment so you don't want to you don't want to bog down people in meetings all week long so which ones are short and sweet, which ones are a little bit more elaborate and very clear on the agenda. And that allows at least the manager to kind of spread out everything that we want to talk about. And now I have an avenue to talk about it. So if I have something new announcement to bring to the team, I know that I have a weekly team meeting on Monday morning. So if something happens the following Tuesday and it's not you know largely impressing, then I can bring it up Monday. If I have a one-on-one with Frank each week, then I can listen to calls throughout the week, uh, maybe send them to him to say, hey, if you wouldn't mind reviewing these, I'd like to talk about these uh, on our one-on-one next week. That at least gives an avenue for that where you don't feel like you're asking, hey, Frank, here's three calls, review back to them and let me know what you find out. Because that often creates fire drills. So it's, it's often about having this operating system or this team management system in place to to start having conversations and that's one thing that often gets missed when a manager is either in the weeds or is starting in a position or is transitioning or sometimes has been in the position for a while and is just needs to kind of go back to the basics so i think those are the three things that i would usually, usually look at or those three types of meetings that make sure that there's a topic around these and that it's consistent throughout the team and that instills communication that allows you to coach and that it really allows the manager to focus on spending the relevant time with the team, understanding where each of their capabilities are, and then producing these game plans and action plans to be able to help, help them improve and give the employees what they need.
1: I mean, you shared some fantastic insights uh, on this uh, on this podcast. I mean, I think the things that are that I'm taking away and just really build on what you've just said, I think for you know a- anybody who's in a management of salespeople or or a sales leadership role, I think the importance of having a process, I think the importance of, of, of coaching. You've talked about um, onboarding. I think you've talked about the importance of consistency as well. And I think you you know you, you emphasize the importance of, you know, even A players or, or A players will follow a sales process, even if it's something they've developed themselves. So I think you've said some really great insights for a- anybody who's involved in coaching and developing salespeople. So thanks so much for making the, your, your time available today. I realize that you're busy, but if people want to reach out to you, Ed, what's the best way of them uh, finding more about you and what you do?
0: Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, so my my website is bluechipcro.com. Um, you can hit me up there. I'm all over LinkedIn. Just search Ed Porter uh, for if there's multiple Ed Porters you find. I'm the one in Columbus, Ohio. So uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I, if you hear me on this podcast, please connect with me on LinkedIn and do me a favor. Send, send me a note in the connection invite that says, hey, heard you on the Sales Star podcast. Um, I'd love, I'd like to keep I like to understand who I'm, who I'm connected with. And I like to have that reference of, hey, how do I know this person? So it's, it helps me as, as I can't remember everything. So active on LinkedIn, my website, um, bluechipcro.com. So I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody.
1: Fantastic, well, that was great. Well, uh, Frank, is there any, any final words you want to say to, to Ed before we, uh, we close out this week?
2: No, I just want to thank you, Ed, for making uh, some of your valuable time. Uh, for this podcast this morning. And again, I echo what Pete said. You shared some great insights around really uh, several key pillars to developing high-performance sales teams. So thank you again.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ready. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by SalesStar and hosted by Pete Evans. For more information about what we can offer you, head to our website at salesstar.com forward slash UK. You can also find us on all social media platforms just by searching for SalesStar UK.